the origin and diversification of mitochondria. Mitochondria are best known for their role in the generation of ATP by aerobic respiration. Yet, research in the past half century has shown that they perform a much larger suite of functions and that these functions can vary substantially among diverse eukaryotic lineages. Despite this diversity, all mitochondria derive from a common ancestor, ancestral organelle that originated from the integration of an endosymbiotic alpha-proteobacterium into a host cell related to Asgard archaea. The transition from endosymbiotic bacterium to permanent organelle entailed, entailed a massive number of evolutionary changes, including the origins of hundreds of new genes and a protein import system, insertion of membrane transporters, integration of metabolism and reproduction, genome reduction, endosymbiotic gene transfer, lateral gene transfer, and the retargeting of proteins. These changes occurred incrementally as the endosymbionts and the host became integrated. Although many insights into this transition have been gained, controversy persists regarding the nature of the original endosymbiont, its initial interactions with the host, and the timing of the integration relative to the origin of other features of eukaryotic cells. Since the establishment of the organelle, proteins have gained, lost, transferred, and retargeted as mitochondria have specialized into the spectrum of functional types seen across eukaryotic tree of life. Introduction Mitochondria are essential double membrane-bound subcellular compartments that are best known as the powerhouses that supply eukaryotes with energy in the form of ATP to serve their cellular needs. We are taught in introductory biology courses that mitochondria are the site of aerobic respiration, a complex biochemical process by which pyruvate is oxidized to CO2, generating reduced cofactors that drive the electron transport chain to chemiosmotically fuel ATP synthesis. The final electron acceptor for this process is oxygen, which is why the majority of eukaryotes require oxygen to survive. Yet, the last half a century of research into the mitochondria of a number of model system eukaryotes has revealed that these organelles do far more than just aerobic respiration. Indeed, mitochondrial proteomes typically consist of greater than 1,000 proteins that function in a wide variety of critically important biochemical processes, including protein synthesis, amino acid and nucleic nucleotide metabolism, fatty acid catabolism, lipid, quinone, and steroid biosynthesis, iron sulfur cluster biogenesis, apoptosis, and ion homeostasis, to name a few. As our understanding of mitochondrial function in model systems has expanded, so too has our knowledge regarding the origins of mitochondria and their diversity in structure, metabolism, and function across the eukaryote tree. In 1967, Lynn Margulis famously published 
on the origin of mitosing cells or on the origin of mitosing cells, in which she proposed that eukaryotic organelles, including mitochondria and chloroplasts, evolved from endosymbiotic bacteria, as had been proposed by others in the early 20th century. Although her ideas were initially controversial, phylogenetic analyses of genes and proteins of these two organelles in the late 1970s and early 1980s confirmed that their prokaryotic provenance was distinct from the eukaryotic nuclear lineage. Since then, orders of magnitude more data have become available through the advent of high-throughput sequencing and proteomic technologies. The availability of hundreds of thousands of whole genome sequences has the potential to clarify the deepest relationships in the tree of life. Phylogenomic analyses have shown that the host lineage of eukaryotes is most closely related to a newly discovered group of archaea, known as the Asgards. Modern analyses also confirm that the mitochondrial endosymbiont was indeed related to alpha-proteobacteria. Although controversy still persists as to which lineages within this group are their closest relatives. Genomic and cell biology investigations of diverse protestant and multicellular lineages have further revealed that all known living eukaryotes descend from a mitochondrion-containing ancestor, the last eukaryote common ancestor, LECA, that had most of the genetic and cellular features of modern eukaryotes. Knowing that the mitochondrial compartment was once an endosymbiotic bacteria raises many fascinating questions. For example, what was the nature of the original symbiotic interaction between the alpha-proteobacterial endosymbiont and the proto-eukaryotic host? How did the endosymbiont integrate structurally, physiologically, and genetically into the host? And how did they coordinate their biogenesis and reproduction? What role did the mitochondrial symbiont have on the origin of the eukaryotic self itself? And how early did the symbiosis happen in the prokaryote to eukaryote transition? These questions have all been subjects of active research, theorizing, and debate in the past few decades, with critical discoveries coming from the disparate fields of biochemistry, molecular and cellular biology, genomics, microbiology, and evolutionary biology. Since the establishment of the integrated mitochondrial organelle, evolutionary divergence in mitochondrial form and function has continued along branches of the eukaryote tree of life. Studies of the mitochondria of diverse unicellular, multicellular, photosynthetic, and anaerobic eukaryotes have overturned the essentialist textbook view of mitochondria as a single type of organelle. Mitochondrial genomes and proteomes differ substantially across eukaryotic diversity. In lineages of eukaryotes adapted to low oxygen conditions, mitochondria have been drastically reduced, functionally altered, and in one case, completely lost. Gene duplication, retargeting of proteins to and from mitochondria, secondary gene loss, and lateral gene transfer have all played important roles in generating 
the diversity of mitochondria, although the relative importance of these mechanisms is debated. Here, we review the evolutionary origins and diversity of mitochondria across the eukaryotic tree and discuss the mechanisms and evolutionary forces that have shaped these diverse organelles. We highlight points of consensus and areas of controversy that new data will, especially, will be especially helpful to resolve. The nature of the pre-mitochondrial endosymbiont. In the following discussion, we refer to the first common ancestor of mitochondria as the pre-mitochondrial alpha proteobacterium. As discussed below, it is unclear whether or not this organism was itself an endosymbiont or free living. In contrast, proto-mitochondria will refer to all intermediate or transitional forms that evolved and diversified from the pre-mitochondrial alpha proteobacterium on the lineage leading to the last eukaryote common ancestor, or LECA. It was during this phase of evolution that the drastic reduction from an endosymbiotic alpha proteobacteria to a fully integrated organelle took place. This transition entailed thousands of changes to the original symbiont and host-derived genomes and compartments. The mitochondrion of LECA, herein referred to as the mitochondrial senancestor, was a fully integrated organelle in the eukaryotic cell capable of aerobic respiration, as well as dozens of other biochemical functions performed by modern aerobic mitochondria. The properties of the pre-mitochondrial alpha proteobacterium are important to clarify the nature of the initial symbiosis. We can gain insight into this question by reconstructing the last common ancestor between extant alpha proteobacteria and the mitochondrial lineage. But to do this, we need to confidently place the mitochondrial lineage in a phylogenetic context. Unfortunately, it has been difficult to reliably determine the precise alpha proteobacterial lineage that is most closely related to mitochondria. Phylogenetic analyses of large sets of genes often show mitochondria as emerging with either within or as a sister group to the Rickettsiales a group containing exclusively intracellular parasitic and endosymbiotic bacteria. This position may not be reliable because genes of mitochondrial origin are often highly divergent and can be artifactually grouping in phylogenies with the similarly divergent genes of Rickettsiales. Other analyses have found affinities of mitochondrial sequences to various other alpha proteobacterial groups, or suggest that mitochondria may form a very deep, independent branch in the alpha proteobacterial tree. A great many phenotypes have been imagined for the first mitochondrial endosymbiont. These proposals have been made by more or less taking into, cons into consideration a. the modern capabilities of mitochondria, B, the phylogenetic affiliations of mitochondria. C, the hypothetical nature of the host cell. D, the nature of the interaction between host and endosymbiont. And E, the environmental setting of the early phases of the mitochondrial endosymbiosis. 
as there is a great uncertainty about all these criteria, all of the resulting scenarios are highly speculative. Several proposals envision an aerobic respiring heterotroph. An endosymbiont, the endosymbiont would have provided an advantage to the host, usually envisaged to be an anaerobic fermenter by secreting ATP, removing fermentation waste, serving as a methane sink, or removing toxic oxygen from within. Alternatively, the first endosymbiotic mitochondrial ancestor was suggested to have been a biochemically versatile, facultatively aerobic photosynthetic bacterium. It would have been useful to its host by allowing it to either move to aerobic niches, oxidize sulfide produced by host respiration, release hydrogen from fermentation, or by secreting organic photosynthate. As an alternative to a single resource-based centrophy scenarios, some have argued that the complexity of the biochemical properties of the mitochondrial Sen ancestor indicates that the metabolic association between endosymbiont and host was multifaceted. Others have proposed non-mutualistic scenarios in which the pre-mitochondrial alpha-proteobacterium was a bacterial periplasmic predator, like Vibrio or Vibrio, that aggressively invaded its host, or an intracellular parasite of eukaryotes, like some members of the Rickettsiales. The phylogenetic placement of mitochondria, although still controversial, can help to constrain these speculations. Hypotheses in which mitochondria branch as sister to or within Rickettsiales have suggested the mitochondrial symbiont was initially a facultative intracellular energy parasite that invaded ancestral proto-eukaryotic cells. These ideas also suggest that it was a flagellated cell with a repertoire of terminal cytochromes adapted to hypoxia. A bacterium perhaps not too different from holosporatian protist endosymbionts. However, if mitochondria emerge from a deeper position within alpha proteobacteria, it is then more likely that the pre-mitochondrial alpha proteobacterium was free-living. If so, it may have been a facultative anoxygenic photosynthesizer, as this physiology might have been ancestral to all alpha proteobacteria. All of these proposals are based on what is currently known about alpha proteobacterial diversity. Metagenomic studies of aquatic and terrestrial environments worldwide are revealing a vast diversity of novel prokaryotic lineages, dwarfing what was previously known. Explorations of the diversity and phylogeny of novel environmental alpha proteobacteria and the characterization of their physiologies could greatly enhance our understanding of the evolution of physiological traits within the group, allowing us to better pinpoint the nature of the pre-mitochondrial alpha proteobacterium. The transition from an endosymbiont alpha proteobacterium to an organelle. 
Despite uncertainty over the nature of the initial endosymbiosis, it is clear that mitochondria were ultimately retained in large part because of their capacity to efficiently generate ATP through aerobic respiration. The capability to generate ATP by fully oxidizing organic food, carbohydrates, amino acids, and lipids through aerobic respiration may well have been a new physiological property brought to the host by the mitochondrial endosymbiont. The transformation of a bacterium into an organelle was done effectively a process of integration with the host as the endosymbiont lost its autonomy and eventually became specialized as an aerobic respiring ATP-producing organelle with additional roles in a multitude of metabolic and biosynthetic pathways. The transition from an, auto, from an autonomous endosymbiotic alpha proteobacterium to the mitochondrial senancestor entailed many evolutionary changes, uh, 11 of them, including one, insertion of small molecule transporters slash carriers into the endosymbiont inner membrane, two, origin and elaboration of the protein import machinery, three, genome reduction through loss of redundant or unnecessary genes, four, endosymbiotic gene transfer to the nucleus, five, modification of the endosymbiont cell envelope, six, integration of biochemical pathways and systems between host and symbiont, seven, origin of an organelle division mechanism that was coordinated with the host cell cycle, eight, specialization of the cristae, nine, evolution of contact sites between proto-mitochondria and the endomembrane system, 10, retargeting of proteins of diverse origins and localizations to mitochondria, and 11, evolution of anchors between mitochondria and the cytoskeleton. Given the number and complexity of the changes involved, the evolutionary transformation of the pre-mitochondrial alpha proteobacterium into the mitochondrial senancestor was necessarily incremental and produced many transitional forms long extinct. Below, we discuss several of these evolutionary changes in more detail before discussing the origins of the mitochondrial proteome as a whole. Evolutionary narratives often focus on the origin of the mitochondrial protein import machinery and the mitochondrial envelope as the target of the first and most important changes of organellogenesis. One view proposes that mitochondrial protein import machinery first evolved to insert solute carriers into the proto-mitochondrial inner membrane. These carriers are responsible for the movement of small molecules, such as anionic metabolites, amino acids, nucleotides, and inorganic ions across the mitochondrial inner membrane. Many inner membrane transporters are members of the eukaryotic mitochondrial carrier family, MCFs, that may have evolved from a single ancestral carrier that was inserted into the proto-mitochondrial inner membrane. 
The original carrier has often been proposed to be an ADP-ATP translocator that allowed the host to tap the symbiont's ATP supply. Another general scenario instead suggests that the protein import machinery first evolved to insert host proteins into the proto-mitochondrial outer membrane. If the latter were true, the selective advantage for the evolution of the protein import machinery may have been to gain control over the biogenesis of the proto-mitochondrial endosymbiont envelope. In any case, as part of the integration of the nascent organelle, the proto-eukaryote had to control the symbiont-derived compartment's growth and division. Mitochondrial biogenesis fundamentally depends on protein import and the incorporation of proteins and lipids into the mitochondrial membranes. In modern mitochondria, nucleus-encoded mitochondrial proteins are targeted to mitochondria after they have been synthesized by cytosolic ribosomes. Many mitochondrial proteins, 60% in some model eukaryotes, have 10 to 100 amino acid aminoterminal positively charged amphipathic alpha helical presequences or mitochondrial targeting sequences that are essential for their import. The remainder use pre-sequence independent import pathways. Pre-sequence independent import pathways. Most mitochondrial proteins are imported through the translocase of the outer mitochondrial membrane, or the TOM complex, into the intermembrane space and are either, one, inserted into the outer membrane of the sorting and assembly machinery complex, or the SAM complex, two, folded and oxidized by the mitochondrial import and assembly machinery, MIA machinery, to remain in the intermembrane space, three, transferred to the TIM23 PAM complex for the further translocation across to the mitochondrial inner membrane into the mitochondrial matrix, or four, directly inserted into the inner membrane of the TIM22 insertase. Proteins that are further translocated into the mitochondrial matrix with the help of the TIM23 PAM complexes can remain in the matrix or be inserted into the inner membrane by the OXA complex. Inner membrane proteins encoded by the mitochondrial genome are also inserted by the OXA complex. Aminoterminal mitochondrial targeting presequences are typically cleaved off imported proteins by a mitochondrial processing peptidase. MPP. The mitochondrial protein import machinery evolved through modification of the existing alpha proteobacteria protein export and membrane protein insertion systems. The SAM, TIM23PAM, 
OXA, and MPP complexes have alpha-proteobacterial homologs. Most of these complexes acquired additional subunits with specific roles during proto-mitochondrial evolution. The origins of the TOM complex are less clear. Although the TOM40 pore and the related VDAC outer membrane proteins may have evolved from a bacterial outer membrane beta barrel protein, although the functions of the SAM and OXA complexes are similar to their ancestral alpha proteobacterial roles, the TOM and TIM23PAM complexes appear to have acquired their current functions during organellogenesis. After the origin of the protein import machinery, many endosymbiont-encoded genes whose products were essential to organellar function could be transferred to the eukaryotic nucleus. The import of lipids into the mitochondrial membranes and the assembly of outer membrane beta-barrel proteins depends on contact sites between the endomembrane system, mainly the endoplasmic reticulum, and mitochondria. Once lipid precursors have been transferred from the ER to the mitochondria, they can be modified into specialized lipids by mitochondria. Some of these lipids can be transferred back to the ER and the rest of the cell. The contact sites that mediate lipid transfer between the ER and the mitochondria are made by the four subunit Ermes complex, which functions both as a tether and a lipid transfer complex. Ermes subunits have no known prokaryotic homologs, but it was likely present in LECA, the last eukaryotic common ancestor. Although it has been lost in major eukaryotic lineages like metazoans and green plants, the loss of Ermes is likely compensated for by alternative tethers between the endomembrane system and mitochondria, like EMC or V-clamps. In addition to organelle biogenesis, the proto-eukaryote had to ensure the segregation of the mitochondrial compartment into daughter cells during cell division and to control mitochondrial distribution throughout the cell. The pre-mitochondrial alpha-proteobacterium divided, divided using a contractile Z-ring composed of polymerized FTSZ protein. The location of this ring was controlled by a mutually antagonistic system of MIN proteins. And, based on other bacterial division systems, a suite of proteins anchoring the ring to the cell membrane. Of these components, the mitochondrial sen ancestor retained at least the FTSZ protein, which underwent duplication prior to LECA, and the three MIN proteins. In extant eukaryotes, these proteins are all encoded in the nucleus. In addition, it had acquired an external dynamin ring that aided constriction as the mitochondrial midpoint. 
Eukaryotic dynamins are also involved in vesicle fission. They may have diversified from an ancestral bacterial gene either present in the proto-eukaryote host pre-endosymbiosis, inherited from the pre-mitochondrial alpha-proteobacterium, or acquired by lateral gene transfer during proto-eukaryotic evolution. The endoplasmic reticulum and actin cytoskeleton may have also been recruited during stem proto-eukaryotic evolution to aid mitochondrial division externally. Some eukaryotic groups, such as opisthokonts and plants, further lost all remnants of the alpha-proteobacterial division system and now rely only on an external dynamin division ring and, likely, unknown internal factors. Mitochondrial cristae, the inner membrane invaginations specialized for aerobic respiration, also evolved during organellogenesis. Cristae increased the surface area for housing large numbers of respiratory complexes, improving the efficiency of aerobic respiration. Two main factors are responsible for the development of cristae. First, multimers of ATP synthase complexes arranged along crista membranes bend them and are thus largely responsible for cristae morphology. The dimerization and crista bending capability of the ATP synthase as a consequence of subunits E and G appears to have occurred in the proto-mitochondrial phase of evolution as these subunits are absent in alpha-proteobacteria. The second factor is the mitochondrial contact site and cristae organizing system, mycos. This multi-protein complex creates small necks, or crista junctions, that comp compartmentalize cristae and anchor them to the mitochondrial envelope. The core MIC60 subunit of mycos has an alpha-proteobacterial homologue, but the entire complex expanded in subunit composition prior to the senancestral mitochondrion. The pre-endosymbiotic origin of core components of mycos suggests that the respiratory cristae of mitochondria could have evolved from the bioenergetic membrane invaginations known amongst alpha-proteobacteria. In modern eukaryotes, Metabolic pathways and biosynthetic systems in mitochondria and the cytosol are coordinated through membrane transporters and redox metabolite shuttles. One such biosynthetic system, the iron-sulfur cluster biogenesis machinery, is a notable example of the proto-eukaryote nucleocytoplasm having become obligately dependent on the symbiont-derived system. Almost all modern eukaryotes share a conserved iron-sulfur cluster system in the mitochondrial matrix comprising 18 proteins, the majority of which have alpha-proteobacterial origins. The iron-sulfur cluster system not only serves to synthesize iron-sulfur clusters and attach them to the mitochondrial apoproteins, but it is also essential for the synthesis of iron-sulfur clusters in the cytosolic and nuclear iron-sulfur proteins involved in key pathways, 
for example, ribosome assembly and function, nuclear DNA replication, and repair. The CIA system, responsible for cytosolic and nuclear iron sulfur cluster biogenesis, depends on an unknown sulfur-containing factor produced by the iron sulfur cluster system that is transported across the inner membrane, across the inner mitochondrial membrane by ATM1. An ABC transporter of alpha proteobacterial origin. As a result of its critical role, ISC is the only known mitochondrial biosynthetic pathway that is essential in yeast and is highly conserved system across eukaryotic diversity. Most of the foregoing systems evolved during the integration phase of proto-mitochondrial evolution and have, at their cores, alpha-proteobacterial molecular systems. In most cases, however, these original systems were greatly complexified by the addition of protein subunits, while their functions were dramatically altered during organellogenesis. This pattern of mixed evolutionary origin applies more generally to entire mitochondrial proteomes. Origins of mitochondrial proteomes Mitochondrial proteomes are inherently chimeric and differ substantially in protein content amongst eukaryotic groups. Although they typically consist of around 1,000 proteins, the number of proteins of endosymbiotic origin in mitochondrial proteomes is surprisingly low. Latest estimates suggest that only 10 to 20% of proteins in mitochondria show alpha proteobacterial affinity. An additional 20 to 30% of mitochondrial proteomes have phylogenetic affiliations more generally to proteobacteria. Many of these proteins of true mitochondrial endosymbiotic origin could have lost their alpha proteobacterial signature, although some could easily be independent lateral gene transfers. A large number of mitochondrial proteins, around 40% of the mitochondrial proteomes, have no known prokaryotic or viral homologs. Many of the genes encoding these proteins originated in the proto-mitochondrial phase before the Sen ancestral mitochondrion and the diversification of modern eukaryotes, and their specific origins are unclear. However, a significant proportion of mitochondrial proteins with no detectable prokaryotic homologs are lineage-specific and likely evolved in specific eukaryote groups after the last eukaryotic common ancestor. The remaining proteome fraction, which is around 15%, has prokaryotic, non-proteobacterial affinities. This fraction likely includes genes that had been laterally transferred to the pre-mitochondrial endosymbiont before endosymbiosis. Genes of archaeal ancestry in the proto-eukaryotic host and genes that had been laterally transferred from bacteria or viruses to the proto-eukaryote nucleus before or after the initial mitochondrial endosymbiosis. 
Regardless, during organelogenesis, the proto-mitochondrial compartment progressively lost its alpha-proteobacterial identity through loss of genes, as well as the acquisition and creation of new genes in the proto-eukaryotic genome, whose products were targeted to the organelle. Many alpha-proteobacterial-derived proteins, encoded in both mitochondrial and nuclear genomes, serve direct or indirect roles in aerobic respiration. These proteins take part in the in one, the electron transport chain that conserves energy through chemiosmosis to make ATP. Two, the mitochondrial ribosomes that support the translation of genes encoded in the mitochondrial genome, many of which encode electron transport chain components. Three, the Krebs cycle that feeds reduced cofactors, NADH and FADH2, to the respiratory chain. Four, the oxidative decarboxylation of pyruvate that feeds acetyl-CoA into the Krebs cycle. Five, the beta-oxidation pathway for fatty acids that provides NADH for the respiratory chain and acetyl-CoA to the Krebs cycle. Six, the biosynthesis of cofactors, which includes iron sulfur clusters, heme and biotin, that are required for the assembly of many proteins of the respiratory complexes and other mitochondrial enzymes. And seven, the biosynthesis of, of cardiolipin and ubiquinone, which are essential for the proper function of the respiratory chain. Interestingly, for the foregoing systems involving multi-protein complexes, the central core subunits are of alpha-proteobacterial descent. For example, respiratory complexes, ribosomes, translocons, and the mycose complex. Eukaryotic origin of proteins frequently surround the alpha-proteobacterial cores of these multi-protein complexes. A large proportion of mitochondrial proteins of eukaryotic origin also function in the mitochondrial inner and outer membranes, close to the interface between symbiont-derived and host-derived compartments, reflecting adaptations related to host-symbiont integration and coordination. The pre-mitochondrial alpha-proteobacterium appears to have contributed more genes to eukaryotes than just those whose products have specific mitochondrial functions. Some of the genes transferred to the proto-eukaryote nuclear genome from proto-mitochondria now have roles elsewhere in the cell. The latest analyses indicate that, thir that 30 to 40% of nuclear genes of clear alpha-proteobacterial origin are not functioning in mitochondria of that organism. Many of these are mitochondrion-targeted proteins in some organisms, but targeted to the cytosol or other organelles, for example, peroxisomes, in other eukaryotes, and were likely in the mitochondrial senancestral proteome. Others seem to have assumed non-mitochondrial roles prior to the last eukaryote common ancestor. Examples of the latter include enzymes involved in sterol glycosphingolipid biosynthesis in the endoplasmic reticulum.
Evolution of Mitochondrial Genomes Mitochondrial genomes are vastly reduced in gene content and simplified compared to the genomes of their alpha-proteobacterial relatives. The content of complete genomes of alpha-proteobacteria sequenced so far range from 800 to 8,000 genes with their common ancestors having around 3,000. In sharp contrast, comparisons of diverse mitochondrial genomes suggests that 69 different conserved protein coding genes and a full set of tRNA and ribosomal RNA genes were present in the genome of the mitochondrial senancestor. Although the mitochondrial senancestral genome likely encoded a few more proteins, it is still a minuscule fraction of myelin of modern mitochondrial proteomes. From the foregoing, it should be clear that the hundreds, if not thousands, of genes that were lost from the endosymbiont genome during the proto-mitochondrial phase of evolution, the reductive evolutionary process likely started out once the mitochondrial symbiont was no longer capable of replicating outside of the host cell. The confinement to host cells reduced the symbiont population size, leading to increased fixation of slightly deleterious mutations. Inevitably, this resulted in an increase in rates of sequence evolution and increased AT nucleotide composition, and led to loss of non-essential genes. Similar reductive trajectories are well documented for genomes of insect endosymbionts, obligate intracellular parasites, and the cyanobacterial symbiont of Paulinella chromatophora. Mitochondrial genomes could eventually reduce even further as the advent of the protein import system allowed many essential genes for symbiont function to be transferred to the host genome. A prerequisite for the subsequent loss of these genes from the organeller genome was the faithful targeting of the host-encoded copies to the organelle. Mitochondrial genome reduction <clears throat> and endosymbiont gene transfer have continued since the mitochondrial senancestor on diverse branches of the eukaryotic tree. The largest mitochondrial gene contents are found amongst the Jacobid flagellates, whose mitochondrial genomes encode up to 66 identifiable protein genes. Curiously, mitochondrial genomes of other eukaryotic lineages generally have gene repertoires that are a subset of those found in Jacobids, suggesting that reductive evolution has slowed in the protists. Indeed, Jacobid mitochondrial genomes are unique amongst eukaryotes in encoding a bacterial-type multi-subunit RNA polymerase. All other eukaryotes have a nucleus-encoded phage-type mitochondrial RNA polymerase and the ancestral alpha-proteobacterial SecY protein translocator. Most eukaryotes possess several dozen genes on their mitochondrial genomes. The core genes on mitochondrial genomes conserved across many eukaryotes encode electron transport chain components. Other genes, such as those encoding ribosomal proteins, complex II, heme maturation enzymes, cytochrome C oxidase, 
assembly proteins and the translation elongation factor, TUF-A, are much more patchily distributed. The surprisingly large difference in mitochondrial gene contents across eukaryotic diversity are the result of multiple events of endosymbiont gene transfer in different lineages, which sometimes relocate the same genes in parallel to the nucleus. The most extreme reduction in gene content is found in the enigmatic coral-associated photosynthetic protist Chromera velia, a relative apicomplexan parasites, a relative of apicomplexan parasites. The Chromera mitochondrial genome consists of heterogeneous linear molecules that appear that apparently encode only two electron transport chain component proteins and fragmented rRNAs. In some eukaryotic lineages, mitochondrial genomes have gone wild. Although many mitochondrial genomes are single circular mapping chromosomes, there are stranger forms including multiple tiny linear chromosomes, many circles, or, as in some land plants, giant chromosomes full of laterally acquired DNA. In many cases, standard genetic coding rules have changed as well with multiple independent appearances of trans appearances of trans splicing and RNA editing systems required to make proper coding transcripts and changes to the genetic code itself. Although different evolutionary mechanisms may be implicated in the various peculiarities of mitochondria of different eukaryotic lineages, much of this diversity likely stems from neutral changes in genomes as a consequence of reduced population size, high mutation rates, and small coding requirements. The reasons for the retention of mitochondrial genomes are debated. The potential for mistargeting the mistargeting of electron transport chain components and or the need for efficient redox regulation may explain why some genes cannot be relocated to the nucleus. In any case, some anaerobic protists have completely lost their mitochondrial genomes. Most such organisms retain organelles that have lost oxidative phosphorylation, but still carry out some ancestral mitochondrial functions, as well as newly acquired biochemical properties. Diversity of mitochondrial functions in anaerobic eukaryotes. Many distinct eukaryotic lineages have adapted to living in low oxygen conditions in aquatic and terrestrial environments or in animal gastrointestinal tracts. These conditions pose a problem for aerobic respiration, and as a result, many of these organisms have evolved mitochondria with reduced or no cristae that function anaerobically. Mueller and colleagues have classified mitochondrion-related organelles MROs into five types based on their energy metabolism. Aerobic mitochondria, anaerobic mitochondria, hydrogen-producing mitochondria, hydrogenosomes, and mitosomes. However, newly discovered MROs and free-living protists indicate that these organelles represent more of a functional continuum 
than a discrete set of classes. Below, we briefly review the diversity of anaerobically functioning mitochondria across the eukaryotic tree. Facultatively anaerobic mitochondria occur in eukaryotes whose life cycles either have an anaerobic phase or that transiently experience hypoxia. Under high oxygen conditions, their mitochondria respire aerobically, but under low oxygen conditions, they shift to an electron transport chain that uses an endogenously produced electron acceptor, such as fumarate, instead of oxygen. Many of these mitochondria carry out malate dismutation, a branched pathway with several unique features not found in obligately aerobic mitochondria, including, firstly, a low redox potential quinone, rhodoquinone instead of ubiquinone, that can be reduced by complex one, but that donates electrons for fumarate reduction by a complex two-related fumarate reductase. And, secondly, an acetate-succinate-CoA transferase enzyme that generates succinyl-CoA directly from acetyl-CoA, bypassing several enzymes of the Krebs cycle that are inhibited under reducing conditions. Under anaerobic conditions, malate dismutation produces ATP both by substrate-level phosphorylation by succinyl-CoA synthase and chemiosmotically by complex 5. The mitochondria-related organelles of Nyctotheris ovalis and Blastocystis species are likely examples of hydrogen-producing mitochondria, although hydrogen production has yet to be determined for the blastocystis organelles. They have genomes and encode proton-pumping complex 1 subunits, but lack genes encoding complexes 3 to 5 of the electron transport chain in both their organellar and nuclear genomes, suggesting that they do not make ATP chemiosmotically. Instead, they synthesize ATP by substrate-level phosphorylation via anaerobic pyruvate metabolism and hydrogen production. Briefly, this pathway involves an oxygen-sensitive pyruvate ferredoxin oxidoreductase, PFO, that oxidatively decarboxylates pyruvate to acetyl-CoA and TO2. An acetate-succinate-CoA transferase to generate acetate and succinyl-CoA, and the SCS to generate ATP and succinate from succinyl-CoA. The electrons from the pyruvate ferredoxin oxidoreductase catalyzed reaction are transferred to a ferredoxin, which then passes them to an iron hydrogenase, ultimately reducing protons to hydrogen. The retention of an electron transport chain, the lack of oxygen as a terminal electron acceptor, and the presence of an anaerobic hydrogen-producing pathway is argued to be diagnostic of hydrogen-producing mitochondria. However, it was recently shown that the amoeba acanthamoeba castellami has all the machinery for aerobic mitochondrial respiration 
but also possesses the full set of anaerobic pyruvate metabolizing H2 producing enzymes. Blurring the distinction between anaerobic mitochondria and hydrogen producing mitochondria. Interestingly, the mitochondria-related organelles of, an of the anaerobic circozoan flagellate, Brevimastegomonas morovehiculus, also has the anaerobic pyruvate metabolism, H2-producing pathway, but is in the early stages of losing its capacity for oxidative phosphorylation, as the genes encoding subunits of complexes 3, 4, and 5 are either degenerating, missing, or fragmented. Hydrogenosomes and mitosomes are much more reduced forms of MROs, or mitochondria-related organelles, and both kinds of organelles lack genomes. Hydrogenosomes, such as those of the parasite Trichomonas vaginalis, generate ATP exclusively by substrate-level phosphorylation via anaerobic pyruvate metabolism and hydrogen synthesis and completely lack an electron transport chain. This metabolic type of organelle appears to have evolved multiple times as hydrogenosomes occur in disparate parasitic and free-living lineages across the eukaryotic tree, although they do vary substantially in functional capacity. Mitosomes, in contrast, do not produce ATP or hydrogen at all. The main function of many mitosomes, for example, those of Giardia intestinalis and some microsporidia, is iron cluster assembly. Recently, it was shown that the free-living anaerobic excavate flagellate, the Snictes brevis, possesses a new type of hydrogen-producing organelle that is probably incapable of ATP synthesis. Given the Snectis close phylogenetic relationship to Giardia and Trichomonas, its mitochondrial-related organelle provides a critical snapshot into how the Giardia mitosome and the Trichomonas hydrogenosome evolved reductively from a common ancestral organelle. As alluded to above, the iron-sulfur cluster system for iron-sulfur cluster biogenesis is an essential system conserved in most forms of mitochondria. Interestingly, however, it has been lost in three separate lineages of anaerobic protists. The amoebic dysentery parasite, Entamoeba histolytica, and its free-living flagellate relative, Mastigamoeba balamuthi, lack any traces of the iron-sulfur cluster system, but instead appear to make their iron-sulfur clusters with nucleus-encoded proteins related to the nitrogen fixation iron-sulfur cluster system that was acquired by lateral gene transfer from an epsilon proteobacterium. Whereas Entamoeba's nitrogen fixation system appears to be cytosolic, M. Bellamuthi has duplicated genes according, has duplicated genes encoding the nitrogen fixation subunits, with one set functioning in its hydrogenosomes and the other in the cytosol. The breviate flagellate Pixuia biforma is another free-living anaerobic flagellate 
that has replaced most of its iron sulfur cluster system. It has a simple archaeal type sulfur mobilization iron sulfur system that it acquired bilateral gene transfer. In a similar pattern to the nitrogen fixations of M. bellamyvi, P. biforma has duplicated isoforms has duplicated isoforms of its archaeal sulfur mobilization system, one of which now functions in its mitochondria-related organelle and the other in the cytosol. The final example is the gut-inhabiting flagellate monocercomonoides that laterally acquire genes for a bacterial type sulfur mobilization system that now functions in its cytosol. The acquisition of the system not only allowed monocercomonoides to lose its iron sulfur cluster machinery, but it also seems to have led to the outright loss of the mitochondrial compartment. This is the only known case of complete loss of mitochondrial compartment in an autonomous eukaryotic cell. In summary, the adaptation of mitochondria to function in low oxygen conditions has occurred multiple times independently. It likely proceeds in a stepwise fashion with mitochondria first gaining the ability to produce ATP both aerobically and anaerobically. Then, in adaptation to permanent hypoxia, there's progressive loss of components of the electron transport chain and oxidative phosphorylation and increasing reliance on anaerobic ATP production via substrate-level phosphorylation coupled with hydrogen production. This final stage of reductive evolution appears to be loss of ATP production exemplified by the mitosomes of parasites. Complete loss of mitochondria is only possible if the iron sulfur cluster system, essential for mitochondrial and cellular iron sulfur, iron sulfur cluster biogenesis, is replaced by a cytosolic system acquired by lateral gene transfer. Origins of proteins involved in anaerobic metabolism and mitochondria-related organelles. To understand how anaerobically functioning mitochondria and the mitochondria-related organelles have evolved multiple times independently from the canonical aerobic mitochondria, the origins of enzymes of anaerobic metabolism are especially relevant. The ancestral anaerobic mitochondria view suggests that genes for anaerobic enzymes were critical in cementing the initial mitochondrial archaeal symbiosis and have been vertically inherited from a facultatively anaerobic pre-mitochondrial alpha-proteobacterium. In the alternative LGT origins, or lateral gene transfer origins scenario, genes encoding enzymes of anaerobic metabolism were acquired more recently by various lineages of eukaryotes adapting to anaerobiosis in multiple instances of prokaryote to eukaryote, and eukaryote to eukaryote, lateral gene transfer. 
Deciding between these hypotheses is made difficult by the fact that these genes have been frequently transferred between bacterial groups and their phylogenies are sometimes poorly resolved. Nevertheless, there are several reasons to prefer the lateral gene transfer origins scenario. None of the enzymes exclusive to anaerobic metabolism in eukaryotes have clear phylogenetic affinities to alpha-proteobacterial homologs. A recent report that claimed an alpha-proteobacterial origin of eukaryotic iron hydrogenase is invalidated by the failure to include relevant non-alpha-proteobacterial homologs in the analysis. For several of these enzymes, including iron hydrogenase, an ASCT, eukaryotic homolog, eukaryotic homologs group in phylogenetic trees into multiple distinct families, each of which is most closely related to enzymes from different bacterial taxa. For these multiple eukaryotic isoforms to be ancestral to mitochondria, the pre-mitochondrial alpha-proteobacterium would have would have had to have encoded many paralogous copies of the same enzyme, only to have them differentially lost in most descendant eukaryotic lineages. An unlikely scenario. In the trees of anaerobic enzymes in which eukaryote homologs do form a clade, the phylogenies significantly conflict with known eukaryote relationships suggestive of eukaryote-to-eukaryote lateral gene transfer. Finally, anaerobic pyruvate metabolism, H2-producing enzymes, and their associated maturases are rare in alpha-proteobacteria and are very patchily distributed, consistent with recent acquisition of these enzymes by lateral gene transfer within subgroups of alpha-proteobacteria. Thus, they seem unlikely to have, to have been ancestral to the pre-mitochondrial alpha-proteobacterium. In any case, some caution in interpretation is warranted, as the donors of these genes to eukaryotes are very difficult to assess. This is because the relationships amongst bacterial homologs are often phylogenetically scrambled as a result of frequent lateral gene transfer. Furthermore, it is possible that a mixture of, of the two scenarios explaining their origins may be correct. For example, some of these genes could have been ancestral to eukaryotes, acquired prior to the last eukaryotic common ancestor by lateral gene transfer from a bacterium unrelated to the mitochondrial endosymbiont, whereas others may be more recent acquisitions. Currently, however, there is no clear link between the origins of these anaerobic pyruvate metabolism hydrogen-producing enzymes and the mitochondrial endosymbiont. These authors assembled a subset of proteins inferred to be in the last eukaryotic common ancestor that have homologs in prokaryotes. By reconstructing phylogenies, of each of these approximately 1,100 proteins, they evaluated the length of the stem branch separating eukaryotic and prokaryotic sequences. 
After normalization for the gene-specific evolutionary rate, they found that the genes of archaeal origin tended to be the most distant from eukaryotes, whereas genes of alpha-proteobacterial origin, likely of mitochondrial provenance, were on average closest to eukaryotes. They also found a number of genes of bacterial origin where different bacterial groups were sisters to eukaryotes. These had an immediate stem length distribution between those of archaeal and alpha-proteobacterial origin. The authors suggested the differences in the average normalized stem lengths over sets of genes of a given origin should reflect their time since acquisition and therefore that the mitochondrial symbiosis took place more recently than the divergence of the eukaryote host lineage from archaea. Supporting mitochondrial aid scenarios. This conclusion was challenged by Martin and colleagues in Pitts and Gabaldon have responded. Martin and colleagues questioned the statistical methods used and the quality of the data sets assembled. They argue, once more stringent filters are applied, the differences in stem lengths between the bacterial non-alpha proteobacterial origin proteins and the alpha proteobacterial origin proteins are not statistically significant. Curiously, they do not show that the same is true for the archaeal versus alpha proteobacterial comparisons. In any case, they further suggest that Pitt and Gabaldon conclusions rely on false assumption of a molecular clock for each protein in the analysis. Yet, this objection fails to acknowledge the possibility that even if no single gene evolved in a clock-like manner, increases and decreases in rates across lineages and proteins could cancel so that the average of stem lengths of a large protein set may be roughly clock-like. The main concern that becomes the possibility of systematic rate increases or decreases that have occurred over many proteins of a specific origin as a result of shifts in function during eukaryogenesis. Such a phenomena could generate the observed distributions of stem lengths even in the absence of a large time interval between the divergence of archaea from eukaryotes and the mitochondrial symbiosis. Another point of contention concerns the number and nature of the genes that the mitochondrial symbiont contributed to the last eukaryotic common ancestor. Pittis and Gabaldon used a strict criterion that proteins of mitochondrial origin should show the characteristic alpha-proteobacterial phylogenetic affinity of the roughly 1,100 putative last eukaryotic common ancestor proteins they only find a small fraction, around 80, that show this pattern. The remainder of last eukaryotic common ancestors' proteins within bacterial affinities were allied to different specific bacterial clades or with mixed bacterial groups. Pittis and Gabaldon suggest that these non-alpha proteobacterial affinity genes could derive from additional bacterial symbioses, or separate one-off LGT events that occurred prior to the mitochondrial symbiosis. In sharp contrast 
Kurt and colleagues, in a separate analysis, attributed all LECA proteins of bacterial origin in eukaryotes to the mitochondrial symbiont, suggesting that lateral gene transfer of the genes into alpha proteobacteria have obscured the origins of the eukaryote homologs. This argument rests on the claim that except for massive numbers of endosymbiont gene transfer from mitochondrion plastids, lateral gene transfer is vanishingly rare in eukaryotes. Therefore, all bacterial origin proteins in the last eukaryotic common ancestor must ultimately trace their origins to the pre-mitochondrial alpha-proteobacterial genome. Yet, as discussed above, there are abundant, clear examples of prokaryote to eukaryote and eukaryote to eukaryote lateral gene transfers that do not originate from endosymbiont-derived organelles. Since lateral gene transfer has occurred during eukaryote evolution and likely also affected the proto-eukaryotic lineage, it is more reasonable to assume that the phylogenetic affinities that are recovered in the phylogenetic trees when clearly resolved, are the best estimates of the true donor lineage of the genes in question. This points to a much greater role of lateral gene transfer in eukaryogenesis than previously appreciated. The implications of the Asgard lineages, the timing of the mitochondrial symbiosis, and the phylogenetic origins of eukaryotic genes are still under debate, so it is difficult to draw firm conclusions. However, we can at least conclude that the mitochondrial symbiosis post-dates the origin of the ESPs found in Asgard and Tacharchia. Given the apparent genetic contribution of the alpha-proteobacterial endosymbiont to eukaryotic systems, in addition to mitochondria, it seems that the integration of mitochondria had some role in the origin of the eukaryotic cellular and molecular features prior to the last eukaryotic common ancestor. Therefore, the mitochondrial endosymbiosis was likely neither the first nor the last event in eukaryogenesis. Conclusions. The endosymbiotic origin of mitochondria was of major importance to eukaryotic evolution, but it was not a single saltitational event as it is sometimes portrayed. Under any hypothesis of mitochondrial origins, the endosymbiotic alpha-proteobacterium to organelle transition involved thousands of evolutionary steps, each of which involved intermediate proto-eukaryotes with proto-mitochondria, all of which may be extinct. Similarly, unitary accounts of the nature of the endosymbiotic association may be oversimplified as different stages in the process, quite likely, had different symbiotic char characteristics. For example, the symbiont may have started out utilizing host metabolite resources as a mild parasite, or the host and symbiont could have been syntrophic partners. But then, once the host had tapped the symbiont ATP supply, the associations may have shifted to enslavement. Regardless of how these initial stages of the association played out, 
the autonomy of both the mitochondrial symbiont and the host cell were ultimately eroded through the progressive integration of both cells. This merger was made possible in large part by the origin of the mitochondrial protein import apparatus that allowed host and symbiont compartments to mix genes and proteomes. Although the precise environmental context and nature of the symbiotic association is not known for certain, it is clear that all proto-mitochondrion-containing proto-eukaryotes must have lived in close proximity to oxygen. Part or all of these organisms' life cycles must have required aerobic respiration, as these mitochondrial pathways are carried out by proteins with clear phylogenetic affinities to the pre-mitochondrial alpha-proteobacterium. If we are lucky, metagenomic explorations of microbial biodiversity in understudied environments may turn up microbes that are more closely related to eukaryotes than the known Asgard archaea. New lineages of alpha-proteobacteria with specific affinities to mitochondria, or even better, and perhaps less likely, offshoots from the proto-mitochondrial proto-eukaryotic phase of eukaryogenesis. If so, then much needed light will be shed on the nature and timing of the mitochondrial endosymbiosis and its impact on eukaryogenesis. However, it is quite possible that most, if not all, of these intermediate lineages of organisms are extinct. To make progress on these questions, then, we will have to rely on the development of better phylogenomic methods, improved sampling of genomic diversity of bacteria and eukaryotes, and experimental investigations into mitochondrial functions. Although some aspects of mitochondrial evolution may end up being unknowable with any degree of certainty, others are more tractable. For example, much progress has been made and is still being made in understanding how mitochondrial biogenesis, division, and metabolism are coordinated with the rest of the eukaryotic cell. Furthermore, as the functions and properties of mitochondria are being explored in the more non-model system eukaryotes from all parts of the eukaryotic tree, we are learning not only about common core functions of mitochondria, we are learning not about what the common core functions of mitochondria and their origins, but also their evolutionary plasticity. Significant lineage-specific shifts in mitochondrial proteome composition and function have occurred in adap an adaptation to anaerobiosis in more than a dozen different eukaryotic lineages. The key roles of lateral gene transfer, loss, gene duplication, and functional divergence in the retailering of mitochondrial function are only now becoming clear. The fields of mitochondrial function are now only becoming clear. The fields of mitochondrial biology, evolution, and microbial biodiversity are beginning to emerge with great promise for expanding our understanding of this fundamental organelle.